right, students, before we commence reading over the syllabus for today, I, I want to get something out of the way first. If you will, please turn your textbooks to page 72. And for those of you listening at home, you can find a summarized version of this as well as the corresponding content warnings in the chapter zero description section found in the pamphlet that should have come with your recordings of these lectures. The word pirate originates from the ancient word prachkas, uh, generously translated into Marvelian as sailor of honor. It's an odd choice of words uh, at first glance, I would imagine. Uh, who would gaze upon our world's most despicable of enemies and use the word honor? Well, honor, as it so happens, is a very tricky thing to nail down. What is and isn't honorable will vary from person to person and culture to culture. Some details overlap while others do not. What is honorable in the Holy Marvellian Empire, let's say, isn't always what is going to be honorable in the Kingdom of Ziegenland. Speaking of which, how many of you are familiar with the Ziegen story of Captain Heinrich Ertz? Some of you may have heard him called the Darkened Cloud. Captain Heinrich Ertz was a pirate, and according to legend, a pirate of some repute. Uh, he was a scourge to the western coast of Ziegenland for well over a decade. A fleet of four ships at his back and the wind ever in his sails, so the stories say. Until one day, off the coast of Ben Laos, a storm broke out, ironically. Taking the entire fleet and Captain Ertz himself beneath the waves. And down there, beneath the dark, briny waters, he made a deal. A deal with the many-armed god, so the story goes. And in the making of this deal, he was offered a second chance at life, but in return, he had to do a single thing this god asked of him. Now, with this newfound future ahead of him, Captain Ertz did what any pirate would do. Find another ship, find another crew, and find more people to terrorize and ships to raid and burn. But when the time came for him to uphold his end of the bargain, the many-armed god asked him to kill a young girl older than 12 summers past her. And when Captain Ertz said no to such an obviously vile request, his life was forfeit. A storm sank him less than a week later, dragging both him and his crew to the bottom of the ocean. A word once given, never broken. That is the moral of the story, according to the pirates who tell it. The only sin Captain Ertz ever committed in the eyes of the Parachkas was not following through on an agreement to a bloodthirsty god to kill a child. Not the pillaging, not the theft, not the countless deaths caused by him or in his name, but the breaking of one's word. That was what was dishonorable. To a pirate, one's word is everything. One's word is one's reputation, one's personhood. Without your word, you might as well be dead. It, it, it matters more than your ship, more than your family, more than your nation, more than your own life. It is a matter of pride for the pirate. Pride not for one's people or culture, but for one's actions, one's accomplishments, what people know you for. Uh, Captain Heinrich Ertz did the one thing that all pirates despise, breaking one's vow, yet they still tell his story. They drink in his honor. They pray to their many gods that they don't follow the same fate as him. But his name is said, not spat. His victories are sung, not whispered. It doesn't matter to them that he's dishonorable. It matters to them that he was remembered. And through that remembrance, he is again Prochkas, a sailor of honor. During this semester here, in Pirates in Their Culture 2100, you will learn the stories that they tell the gods that they worship, and the people that they choose to remember. 
because that is how we will understand them. And once we understand them, we can beat them. That is why the Union was founded, after all, and why you are all here at the Union Officer Candidate School, to be the next generation to protect our families, to protect our countries from those who claim to care about their own individual pride over the lives and prosperity of their fellow countrymen. And it is because of their pride that they pillage. It is because of their pride that they slaughter. And it is because of their pride that they must die. Because that is what makes them dangerous. That is what makes them pirates. Ahoy there, me hearty. And welcome to another episode of Tales Yet Told, an actual play podcast dedicated to telling weird and fun stories full of imagination, thoughtful characterization, and inclusivity. I am your most humble of game masters, Kendrick Smith, or Kendo if you prefer. I use they, he pronouns, and with me today are the loveliest crew any game master or captain could ask for, Gus. Avast, you scurvy dogs. I be... Your, your skipper. <laughs> I'm trying to do pirate, and then I'm ended up. I'm just doing like Patchy the pirate, or like Mr. Krabs. That's fine. Both of those are pirates, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I use he/him pronouns. I'm on this podcast. Ahoy! And next up, we have our our our, our lovely Doctor Hilda. That be me. I be Hilda. I be using she, her pronouns, and I be part of this crew. <laughs> and of course, there is the scourge of the sea herself, Marceline. There be a salt in the wind and a fire in me belly. I'm Marceline, the most fearsome pirate aboard this vessel. What pronouns do ye be using? <laughs> <laughs> she, her. All right. No, I know it. See her? Hey! No, no, no. And of course, but, 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 my fellows, we are not done. We have a new crewmate aboard the ship. And last, but of course, most certainly not least, Ellis. Hi, I'm Ellis. So I would be the flea that has gotten onto the ship with the rats. I am the parasite that has joined this crew, and that will either be something you'll come to to appreciate or you know there are treatments for it so or it'll decimate two-thirds of europe you know? <laughs> or it'll decimate of europe. could be worse could be could, could be worse um you may be wondering what's with all the pirate talk and all the all the all the scurvy sea dogs uh you're finding here in this podcast well that's because we are readying up for a a, a brand new adventure along the seas uh, we are playing a little mini arc. Uh, you know, we're, we're in between seasons right now. You know, we just finished Strangers in the Woods. You all just got a little bit of whip prayers from the Staticus Light. And we're going to try, you know, something a little new today. Something a little more swashbuckly. Something a little more adventure Something a little more piratey. And that is Rapscallion. The Ashcan Edition by Whistler. It's powered by the Apocalypse game that puts you in a pirate's boots on a pirate ship upon a pirate sea. This is our pirate game, everybody, and I'm I'm very excited. How, how are you? How are you guys feeling? How do you guys feel about pirates? 
I'm I'm a little excited. I look forward to the endeavor. I uh, I have I have a, a pirate speak uh, translator here. <laughs> as, as, as saying I feel good about pirates. Uh, I, so I feel jolly about gentlemen of fortune. <laughs> gentlemen of fortune. Yeah, that's one I've never heard before. It's really exclusive. Gentlemen of fortune feels like a you know a lady of the streets. You know. That's what that feels like. It feels like a little some, bit. It feels like someone who doesn't just want to say the word. That actually sounds like a name for the Johns. There's yeah. the ladies of the street does, and the yeah. gentlemen of fortune wow. who, yeah. who court them. Oh shit, you're right. Are pirates just secretly I mean, well, I guess it's not secret, right? It's they're well known for 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 riding into port and uh having Having a good time. All right. Uh, aside from, <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're doing pirates uh, this time. If you haven't caught on yet, yeah, if you haven't caught on yet, this will not be a full season like uh, Strangers in the Woods, where you know we had twenty nine episodes, and uh, this will essentially be somewhere between three to five sessions, maybe, maybe shorter. We'll see how things go. But it's really just for us to test the waters, pun intended, uh, on these characters in this game and the setting to see if this is something that we like, something that you as the audience enjoy, and something that we can come back to uh, after we're done with Strangers in the Woods, if we want to, and, and kind of explore these characters even further. If, uh, you know, we get to the end of this and you like this, or, you know, as it's going and you like it, don't forget to let us know, because uh, it'll be your fault if this doesn't come back. So... <laughs> no, that's not you true. hear that well, audience member you you timothy you've your killed fault. these characters <laughs> it always seems like it's a timothy that's getting heckled i feel like nathan nathan i'm talking to you i know you're listening to this because you listen to our podcast and i appreciate that but nathan if you specifically don't tell us that you like this, we're not going to do it. It's going to be fucked up, Nathan. I'm going to be honest. Be really Nathan, don't be It's going to keep me up at night. Don't, no, Nathan, Nathan don't be bullied. No, Nathan do, be bullied. As, do as your heart, Bill. Nathan, be no, bullied. be bullied. I never even thought about calling out specific people that I know listening, that I know are listening to this podcast. I never considered that I have that kind of power. Yeah, we do. We do. Hmm. Hopefully that doesn't dissuade them from listening. Um, so let's really just get into this is our kind of our session zero. I mean, we've had previous pre-talks about this, ramping up to it, kind of talking about our characters a little bit. And this will just be kind of us establishing a lot of this stuff, filling in some of the blanks and kind of uh, making sure that we all understand where we're going, what we're doing and who we're going to be while we're doing it. So let's start off with introducing the characters that you have all made. Similar to our game of Babes in the Woods, uh, Rapscallion is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. So that means you all are playing as playbooks, uh, as your classes. And each of those playbooks kind of have a specific archetype that they're built for, uh, that they're trying to emulate through the, the moves and mechanics that you all get out of those playbooks. So let's have Marcy go. Who's your character? Let's talk name and playbook. So my character's name is uh, Bryn uh, Terrio. They are the navigator. Also, Bryn uses uh, she, her pronouns. Thank you very much. Can you uh, give us like a brief description? What does Bryn look like? Well, 
unlike most of our lovely crew aboard this ship, Bryn isn't fully alive. We're starting off with a great one. <laughs> um, Bryn is a sort of halfway between dead and alive, a, a specter, if you will. Mm. Bryn is a priestess of her religion, which you'll, I guarantee you'll learn very, very much more about. She's kind of ghoulish. She is covered in, you know, effervescent, uh, illuminated tattoos are, are all around her. Her eyes are glowing, and her hair starts at the roots as like a deep black and braided. And as it flows out, it does turn into a field of stars, of celestial space itself. Very nice. And so with that, kind of getting into it, so each of these playbooks have a special, something that kind of makes them a little unique from everyone else outside of their moves and gives them a little something to work with. Go on and tell us what Bryn's special is. Bryn's special is ghost, obviously. You are a specter tied to the land of the living and possessed of a body that's only partly there. You're partway incorporeal and have two armor, supernatural, given enough time and concentration you can phase through non-metal surfaces. Any item you didn't die with is heavy and doesn't give you bonuses. Awesome. So as a ghost, you are tied to the land of the living. The Navigator in general is one of those playbooks that is really connected with the ship. Also with the elements uh, like stars and being able to navigate as, you know, one would need to. Uh, out on the sea and so you are kind of tied to the very ship that everyone's going to be on um, in a way that I think is really interesting. Do you want to kind of elaborate on that? Bryn um, it comes from a small religion in uh, Belnui um, in which they are accustomed to mm-hmm. building these ships from sort of holy grounds the that I'll leave a little bit to the imagination. And like the wood that is used ties these people spiritually to both their gods and also to their own spirits and the spirits around them. And whenever they build these one of these vessels, they have a priestess who binds themselves to the ship in which, you know, they sacrifice pieces of their humanity to become better linked not only to the ship, but to the gods themselves. And they use that to navigate and understand the world in a, in a better way. Very, very cool. Uh, let's talk about your playbook moves. You start off with two, I believe, if you want to go uh, just from top to bottom there. So the first one is star collar. You follow the stars and sometimes they follow you back. Whenever you wish to bless a crewmate or yourself, spend X amount of luck and call upon an available constellation of the current season. If a crewmate attempts the constellation's associated move any time before the next sunrise, they take plus X D. Is that damage? The X there would be uh, the amount of luck that you spend. So you spend X luck, and then they take X amount of dice, which are always D6. Okay. Winter constellations, drag blood, man the cannons, the lynx, break in or out, Pumbaba and is swashbuckling. Spring Constellations, The Standing of God, Twist the Fate, Rasal Hog, Size Up, Hydra, which is Stand Your Ground. For Summer Constellations, you have Shugi, The Old Man, his last words. Uh, the Compass is Steer. List Dawn is Parlay. Fall, fall Constellations, you have Sky Stallion, which is a dirty trick. Kessel, which is Hoodwink. 
and Guana the Bull, which is the playbook move of their choice. So you kind of have, uh, uh, you can pull upon the power of the constellations of the current season to be able to kind of aid people in whatever it is they're doing, which I think works very well with, we've kind of talked about how the religion that Bryn is a part of kind of worshiping, um, it's kind of vague, right? We've been calling them celestials. I will say that a very big part of this religion is that they celebrate and worship the stars in which they, you know, they deem the celestials, which are like the celestial beings and celestial bodies. And with that, they worship like a holy relic and like pieces of the gods are inside meteorites that land on the planet. And so as meteorites are distributed across the world, those fragments and that dust and the nutrients they leave behind are all pieces of the gods they worship. So in a way, like there are celestial bodies that have landed and blended with the world. And that is our way of communicating with the beings that exist outside of our own world. Second move is prophesized. Uh, whenever you sleep, you may receive a prophecy. Take the starstruck weakness and roll plus spitfire if you already have the starstruck weakness. You take minus one ongoing until the weakness is gone. Um, on a 10 plus any time with the next few days, you can pull luck strings and prophesize something strange or fortunate to occur. Describe what will happen in your prophecy. It will happen, logic and fates permitting. On a seven to nine, as, as 10 plus, but the fates get a raise. They may spend the raise to break reality and cause something strange and unnatural to occur. On a six or minus, the fates get a raise as per seven to nine, and you can receive a blurred vision of future danger. Holy moly, that's fucking scary. There's a lot that happens there. There's a lot of control there. Yes. So I really, really like this move. Essentially so, to kind of break down what this means. As a first, every time you sleep, you can choose to activate this move. It is not something that uh, I might like every now and then if I think it's narratively appropriate, like kind of trigger it for you. But for the most part, you will decide when you want to receive this prophecy. And then on a 10 plus, anytime in the next few days, if there's something that you want to happen that kind of like bends the fates a little bit where it's like, oh man, it'd be really cool if, uh, hmm, let me try to think of it. Okay, I will use an example from an actual play podcast that I listened of Rapscallion where someone used prophesize to be able to say that, oh, they had, you know, a prophecy or a dream about someone that they were talking to, the wind blowing a note out of their pocket that had useful information. And they said it and it happened because that is the prophecy. You have full control over what that is, logic and me permitting that it's a thing that could not even necessarily logically happen, right? Because there's a bit of magic here to this. On a seven to nine, the same thing, except for I get to do some dirty little tricks um, that I am want to do. And then on a six minus, same thing. I will be doing those dirty little tricks and I will be taunting you with a little blurred vision uh, of what possible danger may lie ahead. All right. Before we get into questions, let's go through everybody else's character. Um, Gus, what's your character's name and what's their play uh, playbook? All right. My character's name is Felix Cormier, and his playbook is The Mountebank. Ah, yes, The Mountebank. You are kind of tied to a demon. I am. And yeah, and you get some interesting powers from them. Let's talk about, but before we get into that, let's talk about your special. What is it that makes you different from other mountebanks out there? Yes, the special I have uh, picked 
is called Sparrow, which basically just means I am an assassin. Trained since birth to kill efficiently. Mm -hmm. I am a part of a guild and I have to like uh, do like contracts for mm -hmm. them, I guess. Man, I didn't I, I guess I'd like sort of gl glossed over this line in it. I can kill any unaware human in one blow. Yeah, yeah, no, that's how good you are. You are an assassin. <laughs> you know how to knock people out. Yeah, you're good at what you do. And I think we decided that my guild is called the Sparrows, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's kind of what we were going with so far. Uh, we can talk. We can talk more specifics about them once we get into factions. But I think right now the way that we've kind of imagined them is being. Uh, what an assassin guild should be mostly whispers between like you know people but like with a little bit of weird magic in there i think i wrote something about like you have to give someone like a bunch of worms in order to yeah, like, yeah get yeah. their attention and stuff we, we can talk about that a bit so your character's an assassin we kind of skipped over this what did they look like how is it what what, what is what, what is it that your character does that allows them to be an assassin so Felix is an actor, and he specifically practices a form of, uh, of theater, a, a solo form of theater, mm -hmm. that involves changing masks to represent different characters. I, I just think that's really cool. And his, uh, his stage name while, uh, while performing is Lunulata. All oh, you at home should... Uh, should Google Lunulata to see what that means. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, for uh, the audience members out there who don't know how to spell that word, it is L-U-N-U-L-A-T-A. It sounds a little different than how it's spelled. But yeah, um, I yeah, I really, I really, I really, really, really love this concept, especially because I guess we should also kind of be talking about where some of these characters are from, get a sense of what this world is. The place that your character got this kind of art form from is, well, it's actually an appropriated art form from the Holy Marvellian Empire, where it is similarly another like singular person form of theater that uses masks, but yours is a little different. Can you explain what is different between your form and this more traditional Marvellian form of theater? The, I mean, yeah, the essence of it is that these uh, sort of stock characters that are in the initial, uh, original uh, form of this, uh, of this practice have been altered. They have been changed. And, you know, a, 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 a critic of it may say bastardized, <laughs> I think, Felix and all other practitioners of this, uh, of this art would call it more you know elaborated upon yeah because we'll i we haven't come up with names for these forms which we will um but we we've talked about the the difference here being that they're the particular characters in the traditional marvellian form of this theater can i mean they're stock characters right they're they're the most archetypal versions of characters in these kinds of plays but in your forms you change the way the masks look a little bit to give them more depth yeah I, I i had the thought like i feel like there might be a stock character in like the original 
that would be like a character that might be like a priest of of the uh, Church of the First Song. And in the original, this character would be like just like good. Yeah, good natured priest that helps like protagonist uh, with like words of wisdom or something. And I, I think the uh, Belenusian form of it would be more more critical, I guess, of the uh, of the of the of the role of the character of the of the priest. Yeah, it's like pre- <laughs> it's like coward, like priest that like gives like helpful information, but it's like comes from like cowardice or greed, depending right. on like what uh, like which ways like the masks have changed, what extra makeup yeah, or yeah, paint yeah. that you add to the costume of that character, which to a lot of people uh, is how you said a bastardization of the art form. And you would be hated by quite a few, but there would be a lot of people who would also uh definitely belanusian people who would see these stories and resonate more to it because it is more true to their experience especially with certain characters yeah it's definitely bringing a belanusian's experience to and i know i'm just saying words right now that the audience doesn't know because we haven't talked about these countries (laughs) but trust me we're going to explain what all of this means but it gives uh, their particular perspective on stories and events and allows them to tell stories that are true to them, which is very cool. Yeah. Let's save your playbook moves because your playbook moves are going to come with talking about your demon a little bit. And we're going to talk about your demon once we get into questions. So let's move on to Ellis. What's your character's name? What's the playbook? So the playbook is the Mantello, uh, and I will be playing Thorin, and Thorin will be in the company of his wonderful bird, beautiful bird, Eldorus. Yes, I'm glad we have another animal and pet on the podcast because we always need cute animals. She is a death-defying bird who is a crewmate and uh, will not be disrespected. Okay, I'm sorry. I meant I did not mean to demean her by saying that she was a pet. She is a a proper crewmate who, who whom we all know and love. So you are, uh, you are the Madalo, right? Your playbook is kind of the uh, you are the character who is really tied to the ship and uh, the people on it in a way that I think is really cool. Describe what uh, Thorin and Eldorus look like. Right. So I imagine Thorin to be about in his mid-40s. He has definitely at this point in his life seen a thing or two. He is from uh, Ziegendland, uh, was raised in a fishing village in Ziegendland, and uh, Eldorus has been with him for many, many years. She is just this big black monstrosity of a bird, and she's very smart. She's very precious. Think raven, think crow. Uh, that those kind of iridescent bluish purple feathers, and she's got she's got a tiny little harness that doesn't ruffle her feathers or anything abhorrent. So if she finds little trinkets she likes, she's got some slots to put those in, and also you know, any letter delivery or that kind of thing. She's very useful. I I was trying to think of what kind of bird. How do you feel about her being a seahawk? I don't know enough about seahawks. They are large fish hunting birds. I mean, that that would track. 
And for the particular colorations, we can just say, oh, this is a specific breed. It's an ebony seahawk. Yeah. Uh, and to that effect, that actually, that... <sighs> yeah, 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 I know. We can't avoid Captain Seahawk, I understand. Yes, we can. <laughs> oh, but but should we? <laughs> Adventure! Somebody's boat's got to burn. <laughs> Doesn't have to be ours. Doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It doesn't have to be ours as well. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so tentatively, possibly an ebony seahawk. Sure. Or we could just make up... There's, well, we can make up another... It doesn't even have to be a real one. I mean, she's a big bird. I mean, it... She's you know. a big bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So, big bird and Thorin. So, Thorin, you've got, uh, you've got a special just like everybody else. What's your special? My special is ink. Ink is described as you have been marked with a tattoo of the magical sort. With the fates, decide what the tattoo can do. So essentially, my understanding of this for for Thorin is that after some particular hardship, uh, he wanted to basically tip the scales in his favor as far as being able to protect what's precious to him. And so what I'm imagining is that... I don't know enough about the kind of mystic essence of Ziegendland. Uh-huh. I only know that I want it to be connected to yeah. his homeland of Ziegendland. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the tattoo itself is... My thought was actually that it would be of, of a bird with, in its mouth, the kind of fish that, as a child, he was on the lake fishing that that kind of specimen in and it kind and the bird kind of flying off and it being that kind of picking up your past and flying away with it but not staying in one place and that relating to how the tattoo helps him to grow into what he's doing now one thing that i really like about this game and something we kind of talked about briefly when we were kind of discussing like things that we were excited about one of those things being we like how in pirate media that deals with the more like supernatural and folklorish and mythology around pirates and the things that they believe in the world that they exist in, where magic is kind of like mysterious and vague and oftentimes creepy and oftentimes like not just like just good and like, ah, oh, bam, cast a spell, you do the thing. Like it comes with cost and it comes with history as well. And so the like the magic that this tattoo can do, like it's kind of up to whatever, like we can make it whatever, like whatever we want. And it sounds like that you are interested in having something along the theme of like being able to get something and being free to like kind of move along with it. Am I getting that right? Or I guess I get, I, I might've been misunderstanding what you were saying. Uh, so tattoo is of large bird catching fish and flying off is that correct correct okay and you want something around that kind of theme and how and like an ability that kind of is helping him move forward in the like uh in the way that he he is right now i guess i definitely want there to be some kind of protective essence into what the ink is able to do gotcha and it should also be noted that with the special ink, I am indebted to a particular faction. Yes. And 
must, I am compelled to pay those debts should they come calling. Got it. So you are looking for something that is protective in a way. Yeah. So there's the basic move that everyone can use called break in or out. When you see an opening to break in or out, roll plus blood. On a hit, you've gotten out, choose one. On seven to nine, the fates choose one as well. And on a 10 plus, she wouldn't choose anything. Break in or out typically works specifically just for you. What if then your spell allows you to bring an additional person with you during your break in or out? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, cool. So let's write that down. Um, your hawk, your hawk fishing <laughs> tattoo allows you to bring an additional person uh, whenever you use the break in or out move, which will allow you to be able to, yeah, escape with other people. Cool. Uh, let's also go through your moves as the Matalo. Right. So there is bond when you protect a crewmate from a terrible fate add one rank with them when you harm something a crewmate cares about they add one rank with you or you lose one rank with them their choice and if rank can't go any higher than mark experience yeah yeah yeah. that pretty that one pretty much speaks for itself yeah yeah and we can talk more about the bond and rank moves once we get to that after the three questions but basically for the audience there's a mechanic in this game called Bond and Rank, and this works similarly if you know any other Powered by the Apocalypse games, like Strings, in a way. It essentially shows your relationship to other people, be them player characters, NPCs, and things. Some people can get Bonds and Ranks with the ship. Uh, some of them get them with books. Some of them get them with, you know, a bunch of other different things. And we will go into more detail about that once we get there. Right, so then we have Heart of Gold. When you support or protect a crewmate, uh, describe how you're doing it. Spend one bond with them and choose one of the options you've marked. So I have chosen add or subtract two from their role. Ooh, okay. And take a consequence the fates gave to them. So if someone is suffering terribly with harm, weakness, ill, fortune, etc., I'll have the ability to take one of them away. Yo, okay. Interesting. Ooh, that's fun. Kind of like a little tank, but I mean, not quite a tank. You're more just protecting people, throwing yourself in harm's way in order to protect them. Yeah, that, that's definitely uh, within Thorin's essence. Uh, and then next, we have fisticuffs. Your fists are two harm close weapons. When you want to bust through something... Take the angry or bloodthirsty weakness and roll plus blood. On a hit, you destroy any object in your way. On a 7 to 9, you destroy something you didn't intend or harm yourself in the process, your choice. On a 6 below, your violence is your undoing. Nice. Ooh, really like that. So you're just big, big, strong boy punching, <laughs> punching holes through stuff. Very dope. Cool. And then this also brings up something. Um, so in this game, as well as uh, all of the HP that people have, people also have weaknesses. These weaknesses can be given as consequences to failing rolls. Some of your moves will give you weaknesses. And what these weaknesses do 
is they will give you some kind of debuff where you'll get like a minus one to a roll or they will compel you where in this game what compel means is that something is driving you towards a specific action this can be a faction that you have obligation to calling you to do a specific thing for that faction or it could be a an internal drive of yourself such as bloodthirsty where you're compelled when you're angry to attempt murder where you are, you know, you're so angry that you lose control and you, you know, commit murder. And there's a way to stop yourself from being compelled, which is using the standard ground rule. And we can talk more about that once we talk about bond and rank. So uh, that is Thorin. Let's go to our last, but of course not least, Hilda. Who are you playing? Hi, my character's name is Avery Morrigan. Uses he, him pronouns. And he is the chronicler of this crew. Mm, a little nerd. You like books. <laughs> you like books. Oh my Ew. god. Gross. Gross. <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna describe Avery for us a little bit? Sure. I I wrote up like a little a little thing, so I'm Ooh. just I'm sorry, it's gonna it, it's gonna sound very scripted because it is. Avery Morgan is 26 years old, the fifth son of 18 children from a high-ranking noble family in the Holy Marvellian Empire. He's around six feet tall, sandy blonde, curlyish hair, uh, sea blue eyes. He's semi-well-dressed and well-groomed, tanned skin from being out on the sea, but generally keeps below deck. Carries a satchel at all times with paper, quill and ink, and maybe a book or two. Wow, just like a nerd. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the Chronicler, your 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 playbook is actually really interesting because you get a bunch of books and you can continue to make more books that are magical that that allow you to be able to do that magic. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of wild. Uh, so much so that you yeah, so much so that you kind of get a little more into the books than you do into people, which is okay. Kids stay in school. Maybe you too could do magic with books. The magic of reading. The magic of reading. We need more scholastic book fairs. Are scholastic book fairs still a thing? I hope so. They were like the best day of the year. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your specials. Or your special singular. I am a sea scholar. I choose three scholarly pursuits. When I encounter strange or dangerous knowledge related to those pursuits, I roll plus Spitfire. On a hit, ask one question about it, and the fates will answer honestly. You're compelled to learn more at any cost. On a 10+, plus, you're not compelled, or you ask another question. Your choice. Awesome. What are your three scholarly pursuits? Scholarly pursuits. Uh, modern era religions and mythology, pre-flood era religions and mythology, and pirate folklore and culture. Yeah. So that's all very cool. Very religion heavy and very folklore heavy. You'll notice, listener, and I guess other people here, one of Avery's scholarly pursuits is about pre-flood um, mythologies, uh, religions, and culture. Um, that's because this world went through a world flood, which kind of made it the way it is now and has heavily influenced the way in which cultures have like come back with the knowledge of the fact that there were world floods and the way in which their cultures and religions kind of formed around how their specific cultures 
reacted to the flood and how they resurfaced after. And there are lots of like old ruins and stories about things that happened pre-flood that still have an effect on things that are going on today. And so I, I think one thing, uh, Hilda, you and I were talking about is the way in which all three of these are connected in who your character is and what they're doing on this ship, which uh, we can get to once we're talking bonds and such. But for now, let's talk about your playbook moves. Wordsmith. When you spend downtime in one guild to create a magical tome, roll plus Spitfire, give it a title, and take minus one ongoing to a skill. On a hit, take the effect listed below based on the skill you selected. On 10+, plus, you start with two rank with it. Seven to nine, you start with one rank. On a miss, it's either dangerous or slow. Your choice, or the fates will decide its effect based on your title. You take no rank with it. When you read a magic book aloud, spend one bond with it to use its power. The power lasts for as long as you read. You must destroy your book entirely to remove its power and the minus one ongoing to skill. And so you have a bunch of different skills. The skills in this game being blood, vinegar, polish, and spitfire. And you can make books that are tied to them. And the different skills have different abilities going from, you know, conjuring elemental effects to creating like essentially like small isolated dimensions that you can just be in for uh, for a little while to having a genie that does magical stuff for you. All of which you can choose and you can make as many books as you like, but you will keep taking minuses uh, if you continue <laughs> to do so. Very weak. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about your second move. Investigate. When you investigate a scene in detail, roll plus vinegar. On a 10 plus, ask two questions, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. On a seven to nine, ask one question. On a miss, ask one, but the fates only answer yes or no. And then I have a <laughs> list of questions that I get to choose from. I had not fully read that move yet, but knowing that I can only answer yes or no if you fail is so funny based on some of these questions. <laughs> Because that's just so rude. Is there something here I can use to my advantage? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Goddamn. Oh, uh, man. I love it when games give me the ability to troll my players. So mean. At least it's not the outright lie. To Like, you don't have the option to just outright lie to me anymore. That's at least, I feel, an improvement. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> For sure. Um, awesome. So we've gone through the the basics of everyone's characters. Now let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's start with Gus. Gus, we also forgot to have you describe what your character looks like. Oh yeah. Let's uh let's fix that. What is what does uh, Felix Cormier look like? Felix is uh kind of the kind of the classic triple threat of tall, thin, and pale. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A real Timothy Chalamet-looking kind of kid. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. I, guess. I, did, I didn't mean to do that to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, I'm 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 kind of thinking, especially with pale. Like I think maybe maybe almost maybe maybe almost unnaturally so. Mm. Yeah, like like you know, because I I don't think he shies away from the sun. I, you know, but like. I don't think that really does anything. Yeah, no, for sure. He dresses in, uh, yeah, not 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 fancy clothes, but like, uh, uh, 
fine clothes fine clothes maybe yeah is, is a good i'm picturing him in like a uh like a long blue coat mm. like dark navy blue coat with like some 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 nice trim yeah he has a hat uh in, in my little portrait of him i have him wearing like almost a witch's hat you know what you would kind of think mm-hmm. of it like a like a like a floppy kind of hat yeah floppy pointed wide brim yes definitely wide brim mm-hmm. he wears blue uh lipstick is a, a notable aspect of him and i think i think he's like more often than not he is like even when he's not performing i think he is wearing uh one of the masks mm. that uh that covers the uh the, the top half of his face yeah that's good very good okay uh let's talk about your questions yes so as the mountebank your first question is your demon is soft-spoken and devilish wild and loony or eldritch and ancient what is its current desire yeah so we're gonna get into talking about my demon now yeah yeah we're talking about your little demon my demon in in response to the question is eldritch and ancient I just think that's cool. Yeah. Uh, it is it, it is a smoke entity. Mm-hmm. It's desire. We uh you know we had we had decided to leave it uh Oh yes. You know, pretty 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 vague as I think mm-hmm. an eldritch and ancient uh demon would 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 do. This uh this demon is trying to bring attention to something that has been long forgotten. And Felix doesn't know what that is. Yeah. But yeah, that is the that is the nature of it. Yeah. Cause something we kind of talked about with it being this uh this like ancient smoke spirit is like like what smoke is. It, it's something that, you know, both calls attention to something because, you know, you see smoke, you know something's on fire. One of the things that we had talked about was it, you know, your entity being a smoke spirit uh, and smoke being something that both, you know, points attention to something, right? Because if there's smoke, there's fire, there's something going on. But it's also something that obscures because it's thick. It's hard to get through. It's choking. It's 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 both of these things at the same time. And I think like that kind of goes really well for an eldritch entity of something that is hard to discern because it's always you're never quite sure of its motives. You're never quite sure of like exactly what it wants from you. Uh, But you do know it wants you to do something. And I think that's really cool. Have we come up with a name for your spirit? I think, oh, were we going to use Damien? Yeah, I think we were. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to use Damien. That's going to be the name of your uh, of your spirit, yeah. And one thing that uh, I do want to be clear about in our using of words, the Montebank by like it's raw in fiction, the way it's written, the thing that is tied to them is a demon, right? But we're being very specific about using the words of like spirit and entity because demon has the negative connotation of it is something that is like it's something that means harm. And we've also talked about through a certain lens, through certain people in this world, Damien is a demon. It is something that is trying to get people to do wrong. It is something that is trying to pull people off the proper path. But that is a very specific worldview uh, through a very specific cultural and religious lens that is not 
objectionably true. Sure, yeah. So yeah, so your demon is eldritch and ancient, and its current desire is to bring attention to something, but it's being obscured to both you and everyone else what that thing is. In addition to your kit, you have a dark token given to you by your demon representing your contract. What is this token, and why did you make the deal? So the token uh, that was given to him is a pipe. You know, pretty, pretty, pretty fitting for a smoke spirit. Yeah. And uh, Felix, uh, Felix took this deal out of desperation. Felix was an assassin uh, even before he made this deal uh, with Damien. And he got caught and was uh, imprisoned. While he was imprisoned, Damien came to him and, you know, offered the deal, basically saying, I'll get you out, you know, in exchange for you know, doing, 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 doing what I want you to do. And he accepted. What does this pipe look like? Because there's so many different forms of smoking pipes that are all, and if you don't have a, a solid thing for it now, you know, that's fine, but keep that in mind. I, I think if you're just looking at it, like the first word that would come to mind is like old. Mm -hmm. It looks like a, like an antique. Hmm. I, I, I think it's like it's not like, you know, in bad shape necessarily, but it looks uh, almost, you know, it looks weathered. Yeah. The wood's color is fading. It, it looks yeah. like whatever patterns on it have been kind of worn down from hands rubbing against. I like that. I would say think a little more about like what like the physical shape, if it's a hooked pipe, if it's long pipe, does it look like a specific animal? Like think of these details. Keep that in mind. I think it's long definitely i think it's long just because i think that's uh i think that looks cooler i agree i very much agree <laughs> awesome Ooh, we can finally answer this question because everyone's here and actually this might tie into another person's question so we can we'll see about that choose a crewmate why did you tell them your secret felix is not he doesn't hide necessarily <laughs> uh the his his the nature of his uh of his of his pact really <laughs> um but he doesn't like he, he doesn't he doesn't really go into detail about it i guess um but the exception uh that that i guess that we've uh, we've decided on is with Bryn, and 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 you know his, his sort of reasoning is well here is a ghost <laughs> you know here is a here is uh someone who clearly has you know a little more experience with this than the average person mm -hmm. with the with the supernatural side of things and i i think he has uh you know seen that and been like okay this is someone that i can actually talk with this about uh you know talk about this with yeah i like that quite a bit so Brynn is the person that you have chosen to tell your secret yes you know, demon uh so with uh with your demon actually now we can finally get into uh, your moves a little bit here. Let's uh, let's talk about your playbook moves. Starting off with a uh, devil's contract. Devil's contract. You made a contract with a demon. Now it grows inside you. You m may have rank with your demon. You can take away starting rank from your crewmates in or uh, uh, to allocate it to your demon's rank. At the start of every session, mark luck equal to rank with your demon. When you allow your demon to feed on your life force. You may take the bedeviled weakness or one harm if you already have it to mark one luck. 
Yeah. So essentially, that's a way for you to be able to kind of feed, get luck from your demon at, you know, kind of a cost to yourself. And luck is kind of the uh, the the currency in which you spend to use your next move. Dark Magician. My favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> I prefer Dark Sage. Mm. <laughs> I don't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> I just watched the anime when I was like a child. No, that's fair. Uh, yeah, Dark Magician. When you wish to evoke one of your demonic powers, spend luck and roll plus Spitfire. On a six or below, your demon takes control. Spending one luck, I kind of, I kind of don't want to go into detail about like all of the different powers and uh, such. Powers, yeah. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. The gist of it is that in any situation, like whenever I use my my magic it is essentially random as to what happens which i think is just just fantastic it's very cool i think that's so good yeah and the powers that you get are really interesting and they're very some of them are very specific to certain situations and other other ones are like kind of creepy and weird and horrifying in a way that's very fun Yeah, yeah yeah Uh, yeah it's a this is a this is a really cool playbook i'm very excited to play this yeah i'm very excited to see it in action as well and so going back up to your questions your final one is that you begin with two rank to allocate to your crewmates your demon or both who do you have rank with and so now we can finally talk about what rank and bond is so that we all have the same understanding Rank is the amount of connection that you have with another person, thing, entity, whatever. Your rank goes from a number from zero to three, and the amount of rank that you have with someone is equal to the amount of bond that you have with them at the start of the game, or at the start of the session. Each session, the amount of bond you have will refresh to whatever your rank is with someone. So let's say, Gus, that Felix chose to have one rank with his demon. At the start of every session, even if you spend the bond that you get from that rank, so you have, at the start of the session, because you have one rank with them, you have one bond with them, there are a bunch of different moves that allow you to spend bond, such as the stand your ground move. The stand your ground move, which allows you to resist, compels from things, needs you to spend one bond that you have with someone that is relevant to that situation, meaning that you're calling on that relationship to help you push through a situation. So if you do that once in a session, you call upon your your connection with your demon to help push you through something, you spend that bond with them. You then have zero bond with them, but still one rank. And at the start of the next session, you refresh that and you will have one bond and one rank with them. You can kind of think of them like spell slots in a way, but you use them for things that aren't quite spells. Sure, yeah. And you can also use bond to help, you know, support people, like give them plus ones in moves. You can, you you use them in a, in a variety of ways. But what it really comes down to narratively is that it represents that you have a personal relationship with another person that helps you through situations or that you know you can pull on in various different ways so you have two rank that you can allocate to any of the players here your demon uh or you know a mixture of those two 
For sure. Do you want me to do that now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that right now. I am going to give one rank to Damien and uh, one to Bryn. I think this like I think this kind of makes sense. He I, I I think I think Felix is like, you know, despite not really understanding Damien in like any way, mm-hmm. I think he I think he feels like a weird sort of fondness for him. Like it, it's it's a. Uh, you know, this this thing is is weird and, you know, kind of unsettling. And I don't know what it wants from me, but it's like it has been pretty good to me so far. Yeah. And I think uh, I think to Bryn for uh, sort of the reason we discussed earlier, I, I think it makes sense uh, that he, you know, feels feels more. Yeah, I mean, feels more connected to Bryn through the supernatural. Yeah, that makes sense. So you have, starting now, you have one rank with both uh, Damien and Brand, and you also have one bond with them as well. Right. Oh, also read out your bond and rank move. So every playbook has a bond and rank move, or a bond move, which kind of says when you get more rank with other players and other things based on triggers that are narratively that are narratively relevant to your playbook and the kind of struggles and situations that they're often going to be put in yeah so my uh my my bond and rank uh whenever i forsake my crewmates for personal gain and power add one rank with my demon and lose uh yeah and and me and my crewmate uh, lose one rank with each other and then the opposite is also the, the case whenever i resist my demon's desires at a crucial moment lose one rank with their demon and an affected crewmate either adds one rank with me or i add one rank with them so it's a uh, it's yeah it's a uh, it's a it's a push and pull i guess uh mm-hmm. between you know between the, the 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 human side of things and the uh the supernatural side yeah, you're always kind of being pulled around. And I one thing that I really like about you also being the sparrow is that you're kind of being pulled around in three directions, right? You're being pulled in like, oh, what's good for your crewmates in the in the in the in the party, in the ship, and also what your what Damian wants, and also what the guild wants. And like you're constantly being right. pulled. And uh, I'm sure that will never ever come to bite you ever in this <laughs> game. Surely never never ever awesome thank you so let's go to Bryn. as the navigator you got three questions the first one is sometimes you talk to the ship what secrets does it tell you i hear voices from the ship the ship speaks to me and how does it speak to me well Bryn has a connection to the ship and therefore a connection to the spirits and the souls that surround it and are contained by it um and as we make our way through the world uh, Bran is able to hear voices and stories of souls from the Driftwood Cathedral. The Driftwood Cathedral is a place where all lost souls go, and their stories rarely ever make it out of there. However, through the channeling of the world and through the ship, Bryn can hear whispers and the faint uh, calls of those voices. Absolutely love that. Uh, so going on with this, you're you're an open radio channel for the stars. On a specific trigger, you're compelled to have a draining vision of another place, time, or person. 
what is the trigger and what do you what do you have a vision of i think well we already know, i already know that the specific trigger is a anytime that bryn sees a shooting star mm-hmm. and in terms of what it is that we get a vision of i think it's a place Ooh. Okay. Is it a specific place? Is it a different place every time? Is it a place that, like, is it, like, does she get to choose? No, I don't think so. I think it's random. Ooh, love that. Is there something that ties these things together, at least thematically? Is it, like, you are seeing a different place because there is something there that ties that ties it to a different place? Like, is it, oh, it's always when someone is eating? Or it's always a place where people are eating. Or it's always a place where people pray. I think it's places that have large amounts of meteorite dust. Or, like, large amounts of, like, hunks of meteorites. And these places that, like, are basically, you know, teeming with uh, spiritual energy. Because they're, like, holy sites. Uh, whether or not people know that. You know, maybe there's maybe there's churches across the world that have that are built of, of, of uh, you know, containing meteorite chunks. Or maybe there's just a farmstead that is, you know, scattered with, like, different bits of, of, of meteorite dust and they don't really know. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Very cool. But it's like, it's like that, that powerful essence of those places kind of calls to, calls to her. Awesome. Next one. You've been given a dark prophecy about the ship, a crewmate, or an enemy what did you see and how can you prevent it um this one's a little interesting mm-hmm. Bryn's religion is fading these people are losing their touch with the world as the meteorite dust is being spread out further and further and thinner and thinner across the world it's you know like we have those places that are very rich with 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 resources and and, and rich with that meteorite there's also much less of it across the world and it's really spread out um and so they're losing touch with the world um and more and more people are are you know finding themselves in the driftwood cathedral Bryn saw a vision and a dark prophecy about all the driftwood ships that her people sail the all the priestesses from her religion you know they're all bound to these ships uh, a, a prophecy and a vision, seeing them all sailing towards uh, the Driftwood Cathedral without the ability to steer away. And the way to prevent this is by reigniting their connection to the Celestials, to, to reconnect with their gods and, and to, to really channel their power to, to prevent um, their inevitable consumption by the Driftwood Cathedral. And that's by reintroducing that stardust and the meteorite dust to the world, and by by bringing a meteorite into into orbit and crashing it into Earth. Yeah, wild. Uh, <laughs> really burying the lead there. Yeah. So uh, the only way to stop the Driftwood Cathedral from getting control of all these ships is by causing a meteorite to crash onto Earth, uh, or to Keladora, the name of this world. Wild, absolutely wild. <laughs> But also very, very cool. And it doesn't even say, we haven't decided, like, we haven't specified, is it a small one? Is it a big one? It feels like it should be a world-change-sized sized meteorite. Who knows? But I guess we'll we'll figure out what that is and what, what that means as the, as the game is going, baby. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool. I really like that for a brand where we're really... I think all of the characters have 
in some way, shape, or form, or at least most of them, this tie to the Driftwood Cathedral, which is, it is a place, but it is a, it's a metaphysical place. It is a part of a religion that is mostly a folk religion, right? Disparate, there's no main church for it. There's no unified belief. A lot of stories and folklore and cultural beliefs that have, you know, have arisen just out of, you know, folk practice because the world is kind of shitty. And by that, I mean that there are colonial powers that go around trying to colonize is that a lot of these religions are fading. And I think it's really interesting that we'll be able to kind of explore at least one of those through the eyes of Bryn. Uh, and I, and I think that's going to be really cool. So your last question, you begin with two rank with your ship and one rank to allocate to the crew. And so the rank with your ship you start off with that already. You have two bond and two rank with your ship, uh, which you can mark in that Excel sheet. This, uh, you will use those bonds primarily for doing things with the ship. Doing any of the ship moves means that you need to be able to spend bond with it. Uh, so you're gonna be the main person doing that. And you also get one rank to allocate to a crewmate. Who is it going to be to? And if you don't wanna choose right now, we can wait until we kind of go through everybody's characters. But if you have an idea already, um, again, the way that rank works, again, is a social move, right? Yes, it is representative of your connection with someone else. And then you can use the bond that you get from that rank to help you through bad situations, either emotionally or mentally, or be able to support them in doing the things that they are trying to do. I would say that the way that Bryn's culture and religion works it makes sense for this rank to be with the captain um you know uh, the the priestesses that are bonded to the ship they they pledge their allegiances to their captain okay that makes sense so write down uh we don't have the captain's name quite yet so yeah just uh, write that down and you can fill in their their actual name once we get there and let's read off your bond move really quick when you make a move that requires social skills you can choose to miss Mark all luck and choose one rank with a crewmate of your choice. When you hit on a social move to help out a crewmate, they add rank with you or add one, add one rank to them, their choice. If rank can't go any higher, mark experience instead. So yeah, because of your connection with the, the ship and such, you're maybe not necessarily the best with people. So you can choose to fail social moves which will give you the maximum, I think, yeah, you mark all luck, which you have, I think, the most amount of possible luck that people can have. That's what happens when you mess with Belle Nui. Yeah, but both of you also use this stuff for your magic. So for your, um, for your star caller, you use that luck to help people. Again, even though you're failing at like social situations, you're still using that luck to be able to, to help them. Uh, just kind of behind the scenes, which is really interesting. Cool. Let's move on then to Ellis, our good friend Thorin. Yes. You've got three questions here. Yep. Question number one, you will protect either the ship, a crewmate, or a lackey at all costs. And then when have you failed to do so in the past? Mm -hmm. So... I have chosen to uh, protect a lackey at all costs, and it is just Eldorus. It is just the beautiful bird. Of course. When have I failed to do so in the past? As mentioned, Thorin is, other than the ghost, uh, the literal ghost, 
is old. He's older than probably most of most of the crew. Definitely pushing late forties at this point. Eldorus, he was not the original primary carer for her. That would have been his partner. Thorin was once uh, the captain of his own ship. Things perhaps went awry, and Thorin lost his ship, crew, family, the whole nine in kind of one fell swoop. And so that is when he he failed Eldorus in the past. Yeah. Next, in addition to your kit, you possess a token of affection or the promise of a favor from an old friend. What faction does this friend represent? Mark their location on the world map. So with that, let's talk a little bit about factions in this world mm-hmm. and what we're working with. Of course, we know of the uh, Marvellian Empire. Yes. The Sharks, if you want to talk a little bit about that. So just kind of take us through our factions right now so that the audience knows what we're yeah. talking about when we're relating to factions. Yeah, so um, so factions in this game, uh, the game kind of comes with its baseline factions, but for a setting, we will be kind of using altered versions of some of those and our own. One of the major factions in this world is the Union Navy. The world of Caledora, the setting that we're playing in, is recently, and by recently, I mean like two or three years post a... Uh, global scale war, a war known as the Black Powder Wars, uh, which was primarily a pirate-based wars between pirate factions going against each other that eventually bled into affecting some of the major nations. Uh, And because those nations were affected by that and did not have a unified way in which to react to it, some people decided to come together and create what is known as the Union Navy. They are a global policing force that controls a large portion of the seas as of this point, uh, and through assimilation and very cruel and terrifying tactics, made themselves a powerhouse able to beat back and cut down the number of pirates on the seas by more than half. They are a a, a terrifying imperialist force that is in and of, like, even within itself, constantly warring for people trying to get power as it's still all of the various factions in one. Uh, There are the sharks who are merchant lords, the richest people in the world who can essentially buy their way out of anything. And in this world, because of the way that you act and the way that you do things in the world can kind of change the way your body looks, uh, the sharks quite literally, some of them have like kind of blacker eyes and grayer skin and sharper teeth, almost as if they're starting to resemble sharks. Uh, one of the very cool games uh, things about this game is the way in which magic actually changes your body depending on like what you're doing and the kind of person you are. After that, we have the Dragon Lords. Uh, the seven Dragon Lords are the guiding wings of the nation of Espinora. Uh, the country, uh, the country's wealth is their horde. The country's navy is their might. A single Dragon Lord could wipe out a dozen ships in a single breath, yet they don't. Whether that be due to apathy or laziness, only they could say. What power they do hold is selectively granted to Espinor nobility, turning their skin to scales, forking their tongues, and igniting their breath with draconic malevolence. The dragon lords are the rulers of Espinora. They are quite literally seven dragons that have very 
important cultural significance to the people of Espanora and are also a a governmental force uh, that forces them to do things uh, that they want. The Painted Fleet, they are, it is a pirate fleet of very uh, annoying artists. Uh, imagine an art gallery showing and all of the pretentious know-it-all faux philosophical asinine bullshit that it would come with. Imagine that took place not in a single gallery, but in about half a dozen ships. That is the painted fleet in a nutshell. A group of wanderlusting wannabe painters whose sole goal is to experience the world and leave their marks on it, literally. Their vanity is often their greatest weakness and deadliest weapon, as they'll stop at nothing to make their presence known to the world, be it through fine art or the art of violence. Then we have the Sparrows, the assassin's guild that Felix works for. More myths and legends whispered in smoky pubs by those with enough wits and sobriety to know not to yell it than they are people. A network of ne'er-do-wells, cutthroats, and loose lips. The very shadows they sl- uh, that slink through the alleys and ships' cabins alike. They say, if there's something you want done, you can offer a pub keep seven worms and a sparrow will come to take care of it. But who's to say they even exist? I just kind of threw the worms thing in there, but I do kind of like it as part of weird mythology and folklore of this game. Why seven? Who knows? We'll figure it out, I guess. Uh, Next up, we have the choir, uh, which are the executives of the Church of the First Song. To create is to breathe life into the world. A divine act, and no one has a monopoly over the divine like like the Church of the First Song. Don't be fooled by the church's veil of worship and community through the creation of art, song, and performance. Their practices are strict, and their tolerance of difference is slim. Many find comfort in the structure of life, routine, and creation that the church brings, but that structure is built on the foundation of the dead their colonizing efforts have left behind. Plus, they kind of have shit taste in music. Church of the First Song, I love them. I love them, but they really, really suck. And uh, are a cause for a lot of people's pain uh, in this world. And uh, last, but maybe not the last one officially, but the last one we currently have, are the silk shirts uh, of the Billingsley Trading Company. In a cruel world such as this, it takes a certain amount of money, privilege, and vanity to spend your mornings pondering which shirt to wear. Luckily for them, these are the qualities the members of the Billingsley Trading Company have in spades. No one moves product and coin like the Billingsley Trading Company, which is why they are such a force to be reckoned with. But don't be fooled by those silk shirts, as you've come to call them. Shipping and trade aren't the only thing that keeps their pockets full. So those are the ones we're working. Uh, that's uh, it's a it's a trading company. Come on, they're capitalists. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's what they are. <laughs> so as it stands, I've been thinking of a because one doesn't already exist, um, a kind of faction relating to the same general mythology coming from Ziegentland and where Thorn eventually got his tattoo. That kind of relation to that, when I think of that kind of... Uh, it's mentioned in Ziegenland's, um Like write-up. Yeah, their write-up. You know, that they're kind of a hardy folk, a smaller nation that has kind of had to look after their own. So I think the faction of Ziegenland would uh, resemble that and in it also have a kind of personal mysticism in relation to the landscape. Yeah. I kind of imagined uh, Ziegenland as... 
a place of vast forests, dark elms, and almost kind of think of when I think of the mysticism, almost like the, the fae. Yeah, with Ziegenland, there is this kind of Nordic bend to them that very much lend, lends into that very kind of natural mysticism of yeah. like uh, of like fae spirits and entities of nature and of the sky and the sea and the mountain and such. And, and exactly what you're thinking of as far as like it being like deeply forested and mountainous, like that is very much the vibe of Ziegenland. For sure. I think then... If you're if we're looking for a faction, because um, I mean within Ziegenland there are going to be lots of different factions. Right. I think are 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 you looking for a faction that is within the political sphere of Ziegenland or something yeah. more along the spiritual side of like a a collection of of spiritualists. I guess. I'm thinking more spiritualists. I think mm -hmm. this one group ties in both to. This question, so in addition to your kit, you possess a token of affection or the promise of a favor from an old friend. Mm -hmm. After Thorin lost his ship, I think he kind of washed up, uh, as it so happens, back in Ziegenland and mm -hmm. lived for a, a very large number of years in kind of an, another fishing village and kind of helped a small village kind of come back to life. And I think that particular village would have lived more within the faction of that kind of spiritualistic and then the main leader of that village would be the old friend, you know, that Thorin helped that village kind of come back to life and get its legs. Therefore, there's kind of a, you're always welcome here, son. You always have, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. Um, I'm thinking then because the religion of Ziegenland or the, the primarily kind of thought here is around not only just like this spiritualism of you know nature nature spirits and stuff but centers around a pantheon of gods known as the storm gods of Ziegenland and I'm I, and I'm imagining the, the the faith being Celtic adjacent so I'm imagining that perhaps then this person that you're talking about is like a druid or a shaman of some kind yes um, yeah. So maybe there is a there there is a, a druid circle of Ziegenland. Um, okay, here's this. Okay, I got it. This faction will be known as the Ring of Thunder. Excellent. And it is a druid circle, one of many druid circle, not the only druid circle. Right. The one that looks after this particular village she washed up in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like one of the druids is the like spiritualistic leader of this uh of this uh village yeah okay cool all right next uh the sea has done things to you what superstition will you follow at all costs thorin will have nothing to do with any kind of firearm uh specifically you know like a any kind of handgun cannons are fine uh you know it's a ship it's got to run as a ship needs to. This specifically relates to uh, the way that he lost his own ship, his own partner, his own child. Guns were heavily involved in that process uh, and in that loss. And um, at the time, that kind of weapon was heavily used on his own ship. Um, and the gunpowder that was kept, you know, during that event caused this mass explosion that gutted anything that would have uh, remained 
after the cataclysm of uh, being attacked, specifically being attacked by the sharks. So it's not so much a superstition as it is a trauma. Um, <laughs> if you smuggle a gun on the ship in any, if you're fa- like Thorn is not, it takes a lot to upset Thorn. That will do it. Mm-hmm. Understood. And I don't, I don't think anybody's kits has a gun. So I think for now, we're good. You begin with one rank with the ship and three rank to allocate to your crewmates. I think because I'm so heavily tied to the ship, mm-hmm. I think Thorin didn't know if he would ever sail again. But I think it was some kind of what Bryn is trying to do, but also specifically the captain is trying to do as well. It was some, some kind of convincing that maybe the captain wanted Thorin and his particular skill set. So for that, I'm going to do one rank with the captain. I'm going to do one rank with Avery, specifically because not not in a... What's the right word for it? Pity? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty pitiful. It's fine. <laughs> not looking down on Avery's youthfulness or anything, like that, but there is a certain part there's a certain feeling that Thorin gets when looking and interacting with Avery that is kind of this, I want to look out for this person. I can't, I can't help it. There's nothing I can do about it. This is just what it is. So for that reason, I'm taking one rank with Avery. And the last rank is a tough choice. I think ultimately I'm going to take it with Bryn because part of why Thorin is on this ship is because he has vast interest in finding remnants or anything to do with the Driftwood Cathedral because of what he lost and how he lost it. So that's kind of his tie to that. And so those views kind of sync up in that way, uh, even if they have different motives. Okay. And then uh, can you read for me your Bond move? Bond, when you protect a crewmate from a terrible fate, add one rank with them. When you harm something a crewmate cares about, they add one rank with you, or you lose one rank with them. It's their choice. If rank can't go any higher, mark experience. Yeah. Okay, cool. Again, kind of reinforcing that your character is all about protecting people and wanting to build connections with the other crewmates and such, which is very, very good. Makes a lot of sense for Thorne. Yes. Okay. Last, but of course not least, Hilda, let's talk about your questions. Okay, cool. First question is, in addition to my kit, you have a magnum opus, a dangerous and powerful book only half written. Completing it will take a great deal of power. What do you need to finish it? Yeah, so you and I kind of talked about what this book is. Do you want to describe what the book is first before we talk about what you need to finish it? Yes. Okay, so this magnum opus is kind of a, a book that centers on the Driftwood Cathedral you know, the history of it and the physical place, but it also kind of builds in the mythologies and folklore around it and kind of ties together all three areas of my study into almost a thesis on taking down some of the beliefs that are touted by the Church of the First Song, Mm -hmm. which is absolute heresy and... (laughs) So much heresy. ...wild for my character to be doing, coming from a family that is almost like built in to this church. Yeah, because we kind of, we lightly touched on it, but Avery's father 
is the concert master of the Church of the First Song and also like a cultural advisor to the current High King, I believe. Yes. Um, and essentially the concert master is like right under the Pope of the church. It's like the highest archbishop that you can get without being the archbishop of Rome. Yeah, wasn't there like only seven of them or something yeah, like that? Yeah, there's only seven or... concert masters. It's the addition of being the concert master and also the cultural advisor for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Your family is very, very into the colonizer life. <laughs> but your character is very much uh, attempting to like actively fight and inform people against uh, this opinion. And, you know, maybe not the most perfect ways, but in like is is trying to put in the work. And I think it's interesting being able to uh, explore from that perspective. So your magnum opus is this big... 95 thesis-esque expose on the Driftwood Cathedral and how it relates to some of the teachings of the Church of the First Song and how maybe not all of it's so true. We didn't get to this when you and I were talking about it, but what do you need to finish this magnum opus? What is the big thing that is necessary for you to be able to complete this work? Avery has these three areas of study that, like, he has, like, bits and pieces about, and he's just, he can, like, it's it's that thing where you have an intuition about, like, all these things mm-hmm. are connected. Right. And I don't know how. Yeah. So, like, he's looking for what connects all of these things, what makes this a cohesive piece, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you need the piece that ties together the Driftwood Cathedral, some of these older religions, some of the pre-flood religions even. And the religions of the day. Yeah, and the the modern religions, including, and more specifically, the Church of the First Song. I guess, I want to make sure that we have something that's specific here, right? Something that is attainable, but like, obviously will take some work. Kind of like the... I guess Avery's version of like the missing, the missing link and like, you know, in the evolutionary chain, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I would guess that like of those three things, like Avery Mm -hmm. has a pretty good lockdown on modern religions, Mm -hmm. especially like the church or the first song, like knows the ins and outs of all the current theologies and such. Yeah. The Driftwood Cathedral has definitely been like an elusive sort of point. Yeah. And pre-flood deities have been even more so. So I think it's like... It almost feels as if, okay, the thing that Avery needs to tie these all together is that he needs to know what ties the Driftwood Cathedral to the Church of the First Song. Like, he's got all of it. He's got it in theory. There's stuff, but he needs something like hard evidence of like, Mm -hmm. these things are connected. And it almost feels like the thing that you need to finish it is just to go there. That'd be cool. Right? It's like, because yeah. that's, that's the thing. We're like, once you're there, you get, bam, all of the inf- all of the stuff. It's like, it is it is the equivalent of, oh, man, we have all these thoughts about, like, oh, what was this old king, like this old pharaoh or whatever. Gotta and then, go bam, to the you, dig site. Yeah, you gotta go to the dig site. You gotta get in there. You gotta, you gotta find this stuff. We are touching on themes of archaeology and and so on and so forth, but intentionally show so because it's kind of shitty. (laughs) But also like that is, you know, kind of what the thing is. So, yeah, I think how do you feel about that? Having locked in what do you need to finish it? You need to go there. 
you need to see the place for yourself you need to walk the sands of the 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 driftwood cathedral yeah i kind of like that yeah the the only thing that i wonder is about the pre-flood stuff because i feel like that's stuff that isn't out there as much so i feel like knowing like even if goes to the the driftwood cathedral yeah there's a whole nother facet to the driftwood cathedral that like might not be super understandable without more of that yeah no for sure i don't think that this is saying like this once you have this it's all together but like even let's say you got the old like you got more information about the pre-flood religions you still don't necessarily have the thing that links everything to those those things right yeah and like all of it's in theory until you sit in the place and you're like okay this is bam i've been this is real this This is is real these are this is a sketch of a real place that i have been to and can like this is it right here third question you put your hopes not into people but into books why or what do you wish to escape i think when it comes to what avery is looking to escape it's kind of that that previous life of politics Anybody can lie to your face and make it convincing. When there's books and papers that are just bold-faced lies, there's ways to find out that they are. There's ways to disprove it. Um, there's not always ways to do that with people. So, like, there's less, there's less bullshit, basically, with books. And he likes that aspect because he's dealt with so much bullshit all his life. Yeah, makes sense. As the chronicler, you are a collector of stories. Pick a crewmate, and they must tell you a secret about them. God. Uh, <laughs> I feel like just from the pure aspect of having a connection to what I'm researching, I'm going to go with Bryn. Okay. The popular choice. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone has chosen me for their connection, by the way. Literally all three. You are literally a part of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm just saying. I guess that kind of makes sense. Everyone wants to be friends with the ghost. Of course. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Okay. Bryn, tell Avery a secret about yourself. Secret, secret. I've got a secret. Secret secrets are no fun unless you share with me. I think Bryn tells them about the prophecy. I think that makes the most sense. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, I think Bryn. I think Bryn shares the prophecy with Avery. Whoa. Do you remember what the prophecy is, Hilda? I don't think Bryn shares the way to the way to stop it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. But more or less that like there's been like this like, this idea where it's like all the ships of Bryn's faith all sailing into the the Driftwood Cathedral in unison. Ooh. Maybe Bryn also like shares. I don't know if how how well known is it that these ships are made from, you know, the saplings of actual driftwood trees. Probably no one outside of your religion knows that. Maybe that's what's shared instead, actually. Maybe not the prophecy, but maybe that fact. Oh, that the ship is made from driftwood? Yeah. I no prophecy. 
No prophecy. No prophecy. That's, that's a that's a hey, big spicy. Uh, even the tr driftwood tree thing would be wild. <laughs> that's still such. <laughs> that's still a lot of information. You, you are hearing of a new tree that apparently yeah, right. is connected to this other world, the world of the. And dead. you are sailing on it. Yeah, and you're on it. It's, it's, it's like not only not only it's like oh yeah this thing exists like oh yeah this thing exists and you are sailing on it right now. <laughs> you mm -hmm. are here. <laughs> yeah. But you probably will learn about the prophecy through play, right? I guess yeah. it'll come up. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it has to come up. <laughs> nah, you're just going to sit on that prophecy and nothing will happen. All right, Hilda, what's your bond move? When a crewmate relies on you, add one rank with them or add one rank with a book of your choice. When you trust or confide in a crewmate completely, they add one rank with you or you remove one rank with a book. Their choice. You have one rank allocated to a crewmate. Who is it with? I'll give it back to Thorin. Okay. So you have one rank uh, with Thorin. Cool, 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 cool. So that means Avery has rank with Thorin. Thorin has rank with Avery, the captain, and Bryn. And, and the ship. And the ship. And Gus. Oh, wait, fuck. I should probably have rank with the captain because I was doing the whole thing of uh, helping sail under the false name. I guess that's fair, but I don't think you need to. Just because you don't have rank with someone doesn't mean that you don't have a connection with them. Okay, cool. I'll keep it the same. I'm sorry, Ellis. I, I want to maintain the rank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Avery has rank with Thorin. Thorin has rank with the captain, the ship, Bryn, and Avery. Uh, Bryn has rank with the captain, the ship. I think that's it. You just have the two? I feel like I should make an amendment, and here's why. Okay. I have a rank with the ship. Uh-huh. Bryn is kind of a part of the ship. So the rank with the ship is different. Ranks with the ship is, like, your physical connection with, like, the ship itself, and it also allows you to use ship moves, being navigating, fixing the ship, and, like, using the weapons of the ship, which you having a rank with Bryn does not equate to being able to use those things. Fair enough. We're separate people. They exist as separate entities still. Fine. First new rank I get, Felix. <laughs> to, to our boy Felix. <laughs> yeah. And then Felix, you have rank with your demon and you have rank with Bren. Dope, 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 dope. Okay, that is everybody's playbooks and such. Let's wrap it up with uh, just talking about the ship. We need a name for this god dang ship. We know it's a brigantine. Uh, and it is crewed typically between 30 and 150 people. There are going to be 30. <laughs> this is a this is a this is a smaller cruise ship. This is a skeleton crew. This is a skeleton crew of 30 people. Of those 30 people, you all consist of four of them. Okay. So I figured that the, the boat has the name that it has to sail under, which would be more um Marvellian, mm -hmm. but that the actual name of it would probably be more Havenish, having been part of like the Driftwood Cathedral old religion and stuff mm -hmm. like that. My two fun like Marvellian slash even a little bit of Belnui in there. I thought we could be the Dacord, which is like, ooh, but like Cord, like C H O R D, Dacord. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because then it would kind of mix the Belnui and Marvellian thing, but also be like distinctly Marvellian in that like chord part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Or I thought it could be fun to reference the Driftwood Cathedral aspect of it and call it like the clear story or whatever, which is like a part of a cathedral where there's like a bunch of windows above the nave or like the Yeah. So like call it the clear story or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or call it some part of a cathedral. Yeah, I think that's interesting. What do you all think? Any ideas? Um, I do like like the nomenclature of like naming it like something to do with like church. And so I do, I do like that a lot, actually. Um, does Decord have like any other like um... it, it's it's French for like, of course, or like, OK, hmm. I do like that. I'm looking up parts of chapels. There's like the clear story. There's like the narthex, the nave, the chapel itself. Flying buttress. Yeah, the flying buttresses. <laughs> the belfry. Yeah, I thought that one could be kind of fun. Ooh, I do kind of like belfry because that's the enclosing that has the bell in it. I don't know. I thought the clear story, the only thing I liked about that was that it's windows, but they're like not in a place where you're looking out. So it's like indirect light. Yeah. It's indirectly still related to the cathedral and stuff like yeah. lampshading almost. And it's also clear story. We got a clear story for why this ship is here. <laughs> I do kind of like clear story. Anyone else have any pitches? Um, I do like the idea of having two names. I think that's cool. Yeah. Is that like something that like is typical of like rogue vessels and stuff like that in this world? I don't know if it's necessarily typical. I think the kind of thing that we had talked about was in order to make sure that this ship has, you know, legal documentation and such. Part of the reason why Avery is able to have, you know, a place on the ship is because he is connected. He works for the Billingsley Trading Company and was able to get forged legal documents and charters for the ship. And so that it would probably have a second name that is like its legal designation. But you would probably also have like, this is the actual name of this ship. But if you called it whatever that is, someone who knows would be like, hmm, interesting. That ship is wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the secondary names, I really liked the idea of wood, like forest or whatever, which is mm -hmm. Silva in Latin. Cabinish. Mm -hmm. I thought of uh, Summa Silva, which is driftwood, Lostwood, Perdita Silva, Songwood, Cantio Silva, Seawood, Mar Silva, Mare Silva. Or we could just do something like another combination of those, like Cantio Perdita, like the Lost Song, or Cantio Oblitus, which is like Forgotten Song. What if? The clear story is like our Marvellian name, and we use those as our actual name. I don't know if that makes sense, like lore. That's what I was saying. Those... Yeah, 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 yeah. The clear yeah. story would be the the calling card name, and then like the real name of the ship built from driftwood is. Yeah. yeah. What was what was the song? What was the lost wood one? Lost wood would be like Perdita Silva. Perdita Silva has like a very nice ring to it. Is that the Latin one? Yeah. Hmm. I was going for like a Havanish angle. Our captain could be Latin. So, uh, I don't know if you all saw in the lore doc, different languages are tied to, different real world languages are tied to in world languages. And Latin is the language of Havanish. Uh, which is from the, 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 the island of New Haven, which is like the capital city of uh, the Church of the First Song, which means that its real name would be the name 
of the church, like would be a name from the language of the church in the first song, which I think feels a little weird. But wouldn't that, I thought the whole thing with Havanish was that it was still like a pre-flood language. Cause like, if we're thinking of it like Latin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It begot, you know, French and Spanish and English. and It is a pre-flood language, but the ship was also named by Belanusian people. Wait, aren't Belanusians like, isn't the idea like that these people have been colonized like by like the Havanish? And they've, like, taken, like, parts of, like... Because, like, yeah. if we're looking into, like, more, like, Creole or, like, Cajun, like, influences, then it makes sense that they, like, have a sort of, like, um, yeah. French or Latin influence there. Yeah, no, they 100% do. I could lean them more French, too. I could look up these same words in French. Yeah, my reasoning being, we can have it in Havanish, but we are then making it a fundamental part of this religion that part of the way in which they named these ships are in the Havanish language. And so I want to make sure that we're making that choice intentionally. Because if it is Havanish, then it is the, like, this is essentially the same thing. Like Havanish is the language that like people use in church sermons in the church of the first song. And so it is still the language of their oppressors as well as a pre-flood language. And it wouldn't be a language that they spoke natively unless they were taught it by their oppressors. You know what I'm saying? But that also goes along the idea of the Belanusian languages are heavily influenced by Havanish and Marvellian languages. And so there is a mixture of that. I just want to make sure that when we're naming it, that we're doing it intentionally. Okay, so if it is like Latin, let's mm-hmm. say, of like the 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 day, like because it's, it's the language that everything else, all these other languages are based in. But, like, it's obviously been co-opted by the church. So is that almost like a way of, like... Oh, I see what you're saying. Because real real life Latin is the root of... I yeah. see exactly what you're saying. Um, I don't know if in our world of Keladora that is true for the way in which these languages broke off. Okay. I'd be curious to see, like, what, like, native Belanusian languages look like. Yeah, no, I think uh, the way I've been thinking of them is there's a lot of French inspiration. There's a lot of Haitian Creole inspiration. There is probably a lot of, like, Spanish. Because while Spanish is Espanoran, the people of Bel- the, the, the people of Belanui have dealt with colonizers from almost every country every major country, except for Ziegenland, because Ziegenland has, Ziegenland and Toten have found a way to be the only two major nations that are like, no, that's not what we do. Can I offer, like, this isn't like a, a name necessarily, but just like a, a thought that I had. If we're talking about something, you know, like a ship, if we're talking about seeking the, the Driftwood Cathedral, mm-hmm. That, to me, like, a journey to a, like, sacred or holy place, that makes me think of, like, a pilgrimage. Mm, interesting. What I will say is, I think it's interesting in the nomenclature also, like, while while looking for the Drippo Cathedral is particularly your interest, in, in terms of creation of this ship, and probably with the elders of, like, Bryn's church, they probably know that, like, they are sending Bryn to bring this meteor down. Like, Bryn had this prophecy, Bryn had this vision and brought it to that church. And, like, so, like, like this ship is built and destined to be the one that brings the meteorite down. Yeah. 
with that thought that I had had would was something like um, the Phantom's Dagger Ooh. or the Phantom's Cloak. Mm. Phantom's Cloak Brigantine, Phantom's Dagger Brigantine. Question. Yes. Is so is this so is the driftwood cathedral and like these driftwood trees and are they inherently Belanusian? No, I don't think the driftwood trees are inherently Belanusian. I'm sure they grow in a lot of places, but the religion that uses them in this specific way and understands their connection to the driftwood cathedral is a religion that has its root roots in Belanusian culture. Okay. Okay, because I want to. I just want to look these things up again in like the correct yeah, yeah, languages yeah. then, and see if they sound cool still. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. Because I just went with Havanish because I thought it was the oldest one. Understood. Yeah, I think yeah we, this specific religion is something that is culturally rooted in Belanusian culture rather rather than something that is Havanish. Going along with something that you said, Marcy, I kind of like the idea of of something called Skyfall, perhaps in a different language. Or if you hear me out, Skyfall or like the Reign of Stars. Ooh. Or even to shorten it a little bit, like Stars Reign. Mm. Yeah. Or, or just or just Meteor Shower. The Reign of Stars in French is La La Pluie d'Etoiles. No hate to French. Latin sounds so much cooler. <laughs> um, wow. I can't believe you would say that. I, I said it. That's such a Marvellian response. God. Hilda, I'm sorry. So, I'm indoctrinated. I'm completely indoctrinated. You've been indoctrinated by these fucking imperialists. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, try, I'm trying to think like the return of faith or the return of soul. How about like Forgotten Star? God's Descent. God's descent. Descent like coming downstairs or descent like Like coming downstairs, like like fall like 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 falling to earth. La descendance de Dieu. Such a mouthful. <laughs> there's a lot of de, de, de. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with a long name. Especially because then you can shorten it, right? It's called the Le Descendance de Dieu, and you just call it uh descendance or de Dieu, which just means of God. Uh, if you said that, but that's also kind of dope. I mean, worst case, we can put a pin. Yeah, we in can this. put a pin in this. We can put a pin in this. We it is fun it. exploring it, though. Yeah. No, for sure, we should explore it more, but we yeah, can't yeah, get yeah. stuck here. We can't get stuck here. Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. I said this was gonna go faster, then we got immediately got stuck trying to pick a name. Other than that, so we kind of already know the history of the ship, right? It is. Yes. Uh, a ship that has been built by this uh, Belanusian religion. It is out here. What is... I, <laughs> so we haven't quite talked about what is this ship's goal, right? What is it? Everybody, we're all a party. We're all doing stuff. What is that goal? And we kind of came upon this idea of that you all are a crew of pirates that go out and treasure hunt for ancient artifacts, be them pre-flood artifacts, be artifacts lost through war and chaos and, and, and moving and, and so and whatever other reasons, right? 
finding ancient ruins, finding stolen artifacts, finding uh, <laughs> heisting from museums and merchants and and uh, and private collectors, and returning those things back to whose culture those things originate from and selling it back to them. Not quite necessarily the best thing, but, you know, better than leaving it in the hands of a museum somewhere in the in the Marvellian Empire or in Espanora or anywhere else museums are. With that, that's going to that's going to create a very, a very interesting group of people. We know that there are 30 people on the ship. We know there are 26 other people other than you. We are not going to come up with all 26 people right now but i think what we should do is come up with or at least establish who are going to be in the main roles on this ship these are the the roles that help keep the ship running help the crew stay together and understand what needs to be done these are going to be the people that keep it all together and so on this crew we need a captain a first mate a quartermaster a bosun or boatswain whichever you prefer however you prefer to pronounce the word a chef a doctor or a surgeon and the navigator of the ship i feel like one of these we can mark off because we know that bryn is the navigator because that is her playbook <laughs> so that works for us yeah that kind of makes sense can i also suggest I think that Thorin is the boatswain or the bosun of the ship. Because uh, we kind of talked uh, about how Thorin is the person that takes care of the ship, helps manage it, helps do the repairs, uh, helps keep inventory, helps keep everyone together. That's kind of what the boatswain does. Yep. So I think it makes sense for you to be the bosun. Dope. Plus, Eldorus can like fly around the perimeter of the ship and like show me where there needs to be patches and shit yeah 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 yeah. so that works great so aside from that we need a captain a first mate a quartermaster a chef and a doctor slash surgeon and we don't we don't need to come up with full characters here right because thankfully rapscallion gives us uh some 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 stuff gives us traits that we can give to lackeys that kind of help fill out who they are a little bit and so what we need to do is just come up with names you know and kind of maybe vague ideas of what the personalities of these people are like so let's start off with the captain the captain you all kind of put in my hands for whatever reason i had to make the captain and i have decided well, we already know that the captain is very anti-museum, does not believe, uh, believes that every uh, that the cultural artifacts of a, uh, a people and their culture belongs to them and should return to them, but also believes in making a bit of profit in doing so because they got to live too. They got mounts to feed. They got people to take care of, you know? How are you going to do that if you're doing charity? You're not. And so that's a little bit what we know. We also know that they are super gay because I decide that. And there's no way that uh, there's not going to be gay people in this game. And there are gay people in this game. Uh, and the captain is one of them. So captain, flamboyantly gay. Captain also has a hook for a hand. Because, you know, you're the, <laughs> they're a pirate. Why shouldn't they have a hook for a hand? But we also talked about how the hook that they have for a hand is not, it was a choice. It was a choice that they made intentionally because the hook uh, that is on their hand is something that is culturally important to them, their family, and the people that they come from. And so it was a it was a very intentional choice on their part to connect with 
the, 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 their culture and also be able to make sure that it is protected by having it on them at all times. I still need a name for them. <laughs> I feel like it makes sense for them to be Bellination, right? This feels like a very Bellination thing. But that doesn't necessarily, I mean, people can have this mindset and also be from the Marvellian Empire. People can have this mindset and be a Spinoran. People can have this mindset and be from Ziegenland or Toten or Hokubushu. Maybe they're from Toten. I think that's interesting. I don't know anything about Toten. It's the one that I've done the least amount of work on uh, because I, I'm going to need specific assistance and help in doing that. I do know names-wise that people from Toten have a language similar to Japanese. And so the name will be Japanese. Let's go. Let's get a let's get a name generator here, baby. Let's find a good a good name for our captain. I think our captain's name is going to be Takami Yano. There we go. Okay, cool. Captain Yano. So it looks like each of them get three of these lackey skills. And you can find them on page 25 of the Rapscallion book if you're looking at it. I am going to say, I'm going, since I'm making the captain, I'm going to say that their skills or their traits are they are loyal. They are connected because, come on, they're the captain, of course. They're connected and they've got baggage. They both have good connections and bad connections, like any good captain. Does anyone have an idea for the name of the first mate? Marcy, you seem really excited. Yeah, uh, I have a, a name for the first mate. Uh, they are a, uh, a sort of like femme fatale, uh, and their name is Fontaneva. Ooh, okay. Uh, spell that for me. F-O-N-T-A-N-E-V-A. -E uh, Fontaneva, I really like that. Pronouns, you were saying femme fatale, so do they use... They should straight up she, her. Okay, cool. Gus, you are in charge of doing the quartermaster. Ellis, you're in charge of the chef. Hilda, you're in charge of the doctor. Well, what's the quartermaster? A quartermaster is the person that makes sure that everything is... They are like the manager, essentially. Okay. Uh, where they make sure uh, that, like... There's food and equipment and stuff to fix the ship and making sure that like everybody's shit is in order so that when you leave, it's like quartermaster, we got everything. Yep. We got food. We got equipment. We got ammunition. We got all that. Uh, that's that's the quartermaster's job. Right on. Quartermaster also makes sure that everybody gets paid, if I'm remembering correctly. They're the one that helps divvy out. Uh, Administrative. Yeah. 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 Okay. I have something interesting, actually. Okay. I think that Fontaneva has baggage. Baggage. They're strange. Strange. And they are trained in weapons. Okay. Is it specific weapons, uh, close weapons, far uh, ranged weapons? They are trained in like sword, sword combat. Okay, so close weapons. Got it. Do you need a last name? Uh, yeah. If you want to make one. Um. What is the What's the region I'm looking for? You assigned, uh, what was like the region you assigned that to? Uh, Espinora. Espinora, and the Espinora is? Spanish. Spanish. Thus, Ellis, Hilda, do either of you, do any of you have yours ready? Ellis, go for it. So for the chef, his name is Johan, J-O-H-A-N. Johan is a reserved individual. He is, uh, skilled, you know, in cooking. 
of course. Right. Uh, and other things, skilled individual in general. Also, aid. So, aid is if they assist you in a move that uses a skill, they can give you a plus one to your roll. Which skill can he aid in? Blood, polish, vinegar, or spitfire? It's either going to be vinegar or polish. What? Remind me, vinegar? Vinegar. On the high seas, being strong will keep you on top, but being cunning will keep you alive. That's you. Too damn clever for your own good. Use vinegar if you want to fight dirty, outsmart your enemies, and know things. Sometimes dark things best left forgotten. Yes, let's do vinegar. Okay. So aid in vinegar, uh, skilled in cooking, and with trained in, there's one that says kit specified. What does that mean? So there are specific kits in the item list. It is like alchemy, thieves tools, toxins and poisons. In line with vinegar, let's do thieves tools. And that would also flow in with maybe Felix a little bit as well. Mm. Okay, so the chef Johan, uh, skilled in cooking, can aid in vinegar and has skill in thieves tools. By the name Johan, I'm imagining Johan is from Ziegenland? Yeah, that could be, yeah. Hilda, you said you were ready. Yes. Aleph Blau, he, him, skilled, loyal, and aid in blood. A-L-E-P-H, Blau, B-L-A-U. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Where are they from? Where is the name Aleph Blau? Names I looked up were uh, Jewish, actually. But um, I figured kind of Ziegenland area. Interesting. I may have had a bias for the doctor, but that's okay. I mean, if we want to go that route, it can be someone from one of the kibbutzes. I thought it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, have it be like a longstanding tradition almost. Yeah, it could be from one of the Espinoran kibbutzes. Okay, cool. Love that. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to have to talk to Pig2 to give me more information about um, yes. this. Uh, for our listeners and for the other people here, because only Hilda and I are familiar with what this thing is. Um, in Espinora, there are certain places uh, called kibbutzes. Uh, which are reminiscent of real-world Jewish communes that uh, our friend uh, Pictor, who played in a previous game with us in the setting, uh, established. And essentially, these are places uh, where uh, the people there live in relative harmony and self-sustaining communities uh, and are also, like, kind of the first people to kind of delve into what we can even slightly kind of consider to be modern medicine and like having like philosophical ideas and like uh and 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 culture around what it means to take care of people uh in a like medical profession kind of way they also are heavily tied into uh the dragon lords as uh the dragon lords uh the dragons helped save the people uh, in these kibbutzes from being wiped out in the world flood. Um, and because of, of a particular tendency uh, of the people from there, one of the big things about member like natural born members of these communities is that they have this magical kind of binding to them where they can't lie. And there are good things and bad things, of course, about this. But yeah, no, no, that's super cool. I love, I love that we're bringing that back. Uh, what is he skilled in? Medicine, I guess. Medicine. Yeah. 
also felt fitting. Yeah, loyal. So the blood means that he can fight. Yeah. Which is fine. Totally fine. Yeah, I, I think I still think that's dope. Like I had to go for it for like the thematic approach, but like also I think it's cool that to have a doctor that can also know where to hit people. Oh yeah, and isn't afraid to do so to protect the people on his ship. I love that. All right, Gus, what you got for me? Yeah, for uh, for quartermaster here, I have Orville Crowley. <laughs> he is weak, scholarly, and he can aid in polish. He sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah, really does. You you said quartermaster is kind of like a manager. I'm picturing someone who's like like so incredibly good at organization and like completely useless otherwise. <laughs> Playing Tetris in the goddamn storage <laughs> room. Right, yeah. And is masterful <laughs> at it. I love it. Okay, cool. So going down through our current um officers at least on the ship we have captain yano takami she her she is loyal connected and has baggage we have fontaneva she her has baggage is strange and trained in close weapon we have orville crowley he him he is weak scholarly and can aid in polish our bosun is thorin our chef is johan skilled in cooking aiding in vinegar and skill in thieves tools. He uses he, him pronouns. And our surgeon is Aleph Blau. He uses he, him pronouns. He is skilled in medicine. He is loyal and can aid in blood. And last, but of course not least, is our navigator, Bryn. Okay, everybody. I think that's it. We are ready to play a game. Not today, but uh, <laughs> when, when, we, uh, when next we meet, we will be ready to play. And we'll have a name for the ship, which we will tell you all then. We have one. We have one name. We're half there. Yeah, we're half there. We got one name. We, we just got to work on the others. We had to make it harder on ourselves. And, you know, yeah. you too. <laughs> Come up with two. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this session zero. I hope you all are as excited as we are for this amazing pirate adventure that we're about to go on, Whispers in the Sea. I don't think I said the name of it. I think this is the mm -hmm. first time I've said the name of it. But hey, <laughs> you probably all know the name because it's the name of the episode that you're listening to. But yes. Whispers. Whispers in the Whispers. Sea. Whispers in the Sea. Whispers in the Sea. All right. <laughs> Thank you all so much, everybody. Um, as always, uh, I have been joined here by my most wonderful of players, friends, uh, and, and good and good pals. Uh, Gus, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet, on uh, socials media, like the Twitter, and also, that's really about it. Yeah, you can find me at August uh, underscore Nobby. That's K-N-O-B-B-E. Yeah, awesome. And Hilda, where can people find Elliot on the internet? Go follow my cat on Instagram at uh, Elliot the Kitty Cat. That is two L's and two T's in Elliot. Awesome. And uh, Marcy, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter.com or Twitch.com or Twitch.tv at uh, Soapy Squid, S O A P I E S Q U I D. But that may be subject to change in future dates, so just stay tuned. Awesome. And uh, Ellis, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Horror Writer, which is uh, W-H-O-R-E underscore O-R underscore the word writer. 
awesome. And of course, it is I, your most humble game master. And you can find me everywhere on the internet at Kendo Makes Films. And don't forget to follow our podcast at Tales Yet Told on Instagram and Twitter so you can keep up with everything that's going on. And when new episodes are coming out, when new art comes out, you can also buy our merch at merchyetsold.com if you want to support the show. Uh, in order to help us uh, raise money so that we can uh, keep paying for the things and it's not coming out of our pockets. And don't forget to leave a like and review, yada, 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 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so on. Just just go out and tell people, if you like the show, talk about it. Talk about it. It's the best way to get other people to like the things that you're liking so we can all talk about the things that we like. Hopefully the thing that you like is this show. And don't forget to go out, eat enough food, Drink enough water, get enough sleep, and take care of yourself. Because self-care is very important, especially in the days we're living in now. And don't forget to love yourself like we love you. Bye. Farewell. Bye. Love you guys. Take care. Ahoy. Whispers in the sea. I don't know what that is. We're all fired. And bam.